I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, everybody. So glad you are dialed into Tech Vibe Radio this Friday night. This is one of these great shows where I got to hit the road and do a lot of different interviews with people. And tonight, we have a really cool, unique mix of companies from universities to consultancies to a really cool tech guy that founded MapQuest. But we're kicking off the show with somebody that I was really excited to interview. Just got the opportunity to get in front of him. And we have retired Lieutenant General Richard Zimler hanging out with us tonight. I don't think I've interviewed a general before in my uh, 12, 13 years of doing a radio show. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Jonathan, for the invitation to be here with you, and I uh, hope it's not a disappointment, but uh, thanks for the, uh, the gracious welcome to join you. Absolutely. Now, so you're with the with Center for Naval Analysis, yes. is that correct? Yes. And you're talking about some really interesting stuff. You just engaged our membership here, all about energy and, and alternative energy within the military, uh, energy resiliency. What's going on? Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, Center for Naval Analysis has been involved in a variety of studies. Uh, we got our start back in 1942 as a, uh, a think tank for anti-submarine warfare, going back really? to that in the association. With I the, love stories the like Department that. Department of the Navy. And, and over the years, we became a, a think tank that looks mostly at operations analysis within okay. uh, the Department of the Navy. Uh, in 2006, uh, uh, CNA formed the Military Advisory Board, which was a, uh, a stable, if you will, of retired three, three and four star uh, Navy admirals, uh, Army, Marine Corps generals, Air Force generals. And the central theme at the time was to take a look at those sort of issues related to energy. We started out with our very first study, and your, your listeners can go to cna.org okay. and uh, pull up all of our eight studies, but they've all been generally energy-related, beginning with a, a look uh, at the risk uh, caused by climate change and, and some of the adaptation right. challenges that have come from that. But we've looked at energy from powering our defense, energy from powering our economy. Uh, we've looked at the, the stress of water uh, shortages throughout the globe and the impact yeah. on uh, American resources to, to be part of those solutions. Right, right. And most recently, we looked at the, the emerging role of advanced energy technologies. We think we are sitting on the precipice right now about Absolutely. a sea change wow. of where the globe is going. Right. If we look at population growth in the next to, to mid-century, you'll see the world population go from 7.9 to 9 billion. You'll see... And that's a quantum jump right there. You're talking jump. billions of people more on the planet You'll at see that point. the uh, the, uh, the population of Africa almost double. You'll see India, the population of India in the next decade surpass that of China. China. We see uh, equally a demand for energy increasing by a third in the next 20 to 30 years. I mean, the last time I looked, no one's using less energy or intends to use less energy. Yeah. And, and there, was, there was a hiatus there in the, uh, from about 2006 to about 2015 where right. energy usage, consumption on part of America, had begun to drop. And uh, that was all the good sign. It was probably uh, driven by a weak economy and some of the challenges with the price of, uh, uh, of oil. 
but we've seen a tick already here in the last. I've seen the prices going up already. <laughs> well, you see the price coming back up because oil's coming up, which may, may, may be the result of a backward. You know, you see this energy in the global economy. Right. But we're seeing usage in America beginning to come up for the first time in about 10 years. And so we would say that while you know we're, we're not being alarmist and saying the house is on fire, we are saying that we still import 10, billion, 10 million barrels of oil per day. A, we still consume right. more than we produce. So uh, in the out years, and when you look at the energy demands of, of, these, of these population growths, it's not all going to be provided by fossil fuel, legacy exactly. traditional fuels. And this is where we see these advanced energy technologies, wind, uh, uh, solar, geothermal, hydro. All these technologies are being embraced globally, but less so here in America. Exactly. And we see as those new relationships that are driven by China, driven by Russia, driven by Iran, as we make those transitions to these new energy models, we think America's lagging behind. And our concern is if there is a role from American leadership globally, we need to get on board with this change that's Definitely. happening right now before our very eyes. So what brought you to Pittsburgh to, to explore some of the technologies that are coming out of the Pittsburgh area? Tell us more about that. Absolutely. Uh, part of our process is when we do a study and we get it out, then it's to, to get out on the road and talk about the study. So you're on like a road tour right now. Well, well we, we are now, and yeah. I was down in Chattanooga, Tennessee okay. a couple of weeks ago. But it's to talk about the work that we're doing, to try to educate, right. inform right. the debate. We exactly. are apolitical. We're nonpartisan. Uh, we don't get behind specific legislation per se, but we want to inform the debate. We want to be advocates for renewables and clean energy, and from a perspective of national security. Right. So part of it is to get out and make the, the, the local uh, 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 populations here familiar with the work that we're doing. But equally important is for me to hear back and see what the states are doing. You know, so you we, bring that back to the to the Absolutely. CNA we and, go back and right. kind of at the end of the, the summer, we'll go back to uh, D.C. and Zilmer. What did you do like, in your vacation? This is what I found out. Right yeah. And then you come out here, and that's the good news. The good news is you see, we would say, absent a strategic vision from Washington on national energy, yeah. uh, energy independence absolutely. and national security. You see what the states are doing. And it would be a different model if I went to Cleveland, if I went to Indianapolis, if I went to Denver, if I went to Charleston, if I went to Florida. All the states, the good news is all the states are doing something, something different, okay, right. something good. The bad news is we got 50 states Dif- doing different, different, different things. things. And, 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 and we think the piece missing, and this is not a criticism of this administration or the last or any administration, is we think the problem... The future problem is that great that we need a national vision, vision for, for energy. And you can help guide that then. I mean, we try this to. is why we, I sleep better at night knowing there's, there's men and women like you out there that are focusing on this and studying this so we can get ourselves around it. Well, we have a team. Uh, for every study, we put about a dozen together. And as a, it, once the study's out, then we all, many of us go over to Capitol Hill. Right. We brief staffers on Capitol Hill. Uh, we've been all over the country. Any group that will listen to us, we are happy to talk to them. Absolutely. It's all about educating and getting people aligned as far as that is. So if people go to what, cna.org? cna.org. Okay. And uh, you'll find our, our studies there. You'll find a little bit about the Military Advisory Board. Definitely. And we're 501c3. Absolutely. And uh, most of our study money comes from private donations. And right. we're looking, you know, we're next meeting, what do we do next? Exactly What's the right. next one we want to look at? So, uh, 
synod.org. So we've got about a minute left. I don't want to put you too much on the spot. What are your thoughts of Pittsburgh real quick? Hey, uh, I, I'm embarrassed to say that I, I'm, I'm born and bred in Pennsylvania. I'm yeah. on the eastern side of the city. Okay. I, I am a Steelers fan. And uh, I've never, I've driven by Pittsburgh, but I've never been to Pittsburgh. I've heard the stories about the transformation of the city in the right, last right. couple yeah. decades. From, it is everything I expected. I mean, it is, it is a modern city. It's very welcoming. And, you know, our visit down to the uh, the EIC today, watching what they're doing yeah. down there is amazing. There's some great stuff it's happening. It's amazing. It really Especially is. Especially around energy so. technologies around here as well, too. We've got a nice crop of companies that are addressing a lot of the things that you guys are looking at. They, so. they are. And, and those are the sort of good stories I can take back to the map. Very much say, so. This is the good news. We happening. want to be part of the solution here. We, we think we have some innovation that we, will definitely help that We need people to way. agree that there's a problem. <laughs> and then we can go about designing the solution to it. Thank you so much for your time talking Thanks, with us. John. Appreciate your service to our country, without a doubt. And uh, once again, cna.org to learn more about it. And uh, we've got a great tech vibe in front of you tonight. We have Seton Hill College, we have Deloitte, and we have uh, Chris Havely, the founder of MapQuest, stopping by. Great interviews coming your way. Uh, once again, this is Jonathan Kirsting from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Follow us on Twitter at pghtech. You're listening to Tech Vibe Radio here on KDKA. This is Jonathan Kersing with the Pittsburgh Technology Council, and we are talking to Dimitri Shirey here at Deloitte. Dimitri, I love talking to you on Tech Vibe Radio. You always bring the best insights when it comes to workforce development. I mean, well, Jonathan, it's great to be back on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I mean, you're a thought leader in this area. You know, you author articles in TEQ. You have you have you have material out there everywhere, and so when it comes to workforce development, you come to mind immediately. That's what it comes down to. Well, if I can steal an old line from the Beatles song, yeah, uh, I get by with a little help from my friends. There you go. I love and so it. So it truly is a team effort with For a collection sure. of other professionals here in the Western Pennsylvania community that really have stepped up and made some significant contributions in looking at uh, the future of labor supply and labor demand here in Western Pennsylvania. Absolutely. Before we get rolling, just to reset with our listeners, just who is Dimitri Shirey? He gives a quick little 30-second plug about who you are and what you do here at Deloitte. Uh, Jonathan, I'm uh, very fortunate to serve as the managing partner for Deloitte here in uh, the Pittsburgh and the Western Pennsylvania region. I've been with the firm over 38 years with a significant focus within manufacturing financial services and energy. That's fantastic. So let's let's start nerding out when it comes to workforce stuff. You just, you just uh, penned a really nice article in our latest issue of TEQ Magazine looking at the Inflection Point 2017-2018 study, which really, when that came out originally, I think in 2016, this was the updated version of the report. It got a lot of people thinking because there's some startling information in this report. So you're absolutely right. The The initial report was launched in uh, May of 2016. And part of the commitment was that this would be a living and breathing document, that every year there would be a refresh, an update, That's in so order important to understand to, right. what changed from the initial, uh, from the initial issuance of uh, inflection point. And 2017 was the first time that we put the toe in the water with respect to refreshing the study and also looking at changes that occurred since the report was originally issued. And sure. quite frankly, there's been some remarkable changes even in that 12-month period really? of time. So we're actually seeing changes within... Oh, I guess that actually makes sense because I think about workforce and how quickly the skill sets change, that the technology is accelerating everything. And at the Pittsburgh Technology Council, our members, it's all about workforce to them. Without the right workers with the right skills, 
they can't go anywhere. It is, uh, but the but the the change, if I can be specific, really is pinpoint pinpointed on yeah. four regional types of investments okay. that occurred since the original issuance of inflation. Cool. Pool. Let's start talking about them. So, you know, first of all, you know, you have the uptick in autonomous vehicles and everything that goes with it relative to some of the new entrants here in the uh, in the marketplace mm-hmm. with respect to AV. Then you have additive manufacturing, which has also created a buzz here in western Pennsylvania from, based upon some regional investments by GE. Layer on top of that, robotics and the ethane cracker, which has been underway now for the last couple of years, what you are finding is that you have relatively a static workforce where there is increasing pressure Hmm. being exerted on the same people who have the types of skills that are being clamored for by these different investments that have been made. Wow, so it's creating these gaps then. It's creating these gaps, and it's also creating a potential environment where uh, Peter is going to rob to pay Paul. Exactly. Uh, because there there is opportunity. There is an uptick in, in employment. As we know, we are at an all-time low, not just on a national basis, but you know we're approaching that here in western Pennsylvania as well. Exactly. And so what we're finding is that there is increased pressure on a on a on a uh, supply of people that you know needs to translate into future jobs. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell us, like, why why is Deloitte really gets behind this? I mean, it's one of these things where it, it really kind of separates you apart from from you know your your competitors out there, for lack of a better term. Because obviously, as you know, without the workers, we don't go anywhere. What's Deloitte's take on why you put your energies towards looking at these workforce issues? Well, first of all, in order to have a uh, in order to have vibrant clients, you need a vibrant economy. Absolutely. In order to have a vibrant economy, yeah. you need to have a vibrant <laughs> workforce. Absolutely. So you know there is. Um, uh, there is an element of here that this is not only good for business, but this is good for the region. For sure. And at the end of the day, when you look at uh, any professional services firm, including Deloitte, we live and breathe based upon the pipeline of talent that we are able to attract and retain. So. Because as a service organization, we don't manufacture a product. We deliver a service, and exactly. we're only good at delivering that service as the competency of the people that we hire. Oh, for sure, for sure. So maybe let's talk about more about like what's going on with some of the trends here within our, our workforce here. You mentioned some big changes within a year, which I think is kind of really interesting, the fact that you know, it is moving as quickly. I always see these things at first, and you say, it's going to take a generation to look at this, but that's not the case anymore. We're seeing these more rapid changes. We're seeing these more rapid changes, and if there's one area yeah. uh, that I would point to that has really jumped on inflection point with both feet, uh, it okay. really has been academia. Uh, huh. So when you look at you know the, uh, many of the post-secondary institutions here in Western Pennsylvania, okay. they truly have embraced inflection point, and they have begun to do something about it. Uh, whether it's the University of Pittsburgh, Duquesne University, Carlo University, Carnegie Mellon, uh, all of the major universities here in Western Pennsylvania have embraced inflection point, recognizing that they need they need to change their game with the type of product that they are providing to future employers. And one that, quite frankly, is really focused on baseline or soft skills, in addition to, of course, the core technical competencies that are imparted in the educational environment. Those two coming together. Those two need to come together because, quite frankly, the technical skills are table stakes. It is a given that the recruits that are being brought on board have the core technical competencies in order to do the job. But what is the icing on the cake 
is truly having those base, baseline or soft skills that are focused around customer service, problem solving, uh, communication skills. They continue to grow in, to importance, and those are talents that people are going to need to have. And quite frankly, not just with respect to new recruits, but also with respect to individuals who are currently in the workplace that will be in the workplace for some time. So said another way, this is an evolution. And the idea that, you know, when you when you acquired a certain portfolio of skills at the outset of you entering the workforce, they would see you through 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 the remainder of your career has dramatically changed. Those days are gone. Those days are gone. <laughs> I wish they is, were still here. No, and this is really about lifelong learning. I was going to ask you about, and you, being agile and nimble. You just asked the question I was going to ask you. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the lifelong learning because I think that's always up to this. Is the fact that we never stop learning because the skill sets are so rapidly changing in this day and age. So we need to have these minds that just want to keep learning more and acquiring new skills. And, you know, I do think there's an opportunity here for employers to really become actively involved in the solutions, specifically with respect to post-secondary education institutions. Mm -hmm. Because the idea that an employer wants a certain type of competency mm-hmm. needs to be communicated so that the so that the academic institution can embrace it and prepare for what are the skills and exactly. competencies that are in market demand so basically alignment between the marketplace and the academic institution. I've been seeing a lot of that lately. I've been talking to a lot of the smaller schools, and they've been rapidly being able to work with industry, see the skill sets, and then adapt their curriculum right to it, which to me is just fascinating because now you're seeing people getting skills and then right into the workforce, which I think is obviously is what we need. And, and that is, and when you look at this region and you look at some of the investments that have been made, particularly over the course of the last uh, year, there is going to need to be an opportunity to accelerate the speed to value with respect to having individuals develop and obtain right. those qualified uh, those qualified competencies and then deploy them in the in the employment environment. Yes, yeah, so we've got about a minute left. What's the what's the future? <laughs> well, I, again, what's interesting here is that last uh, last week we happened to hear from. Uh, the president and CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland, Dr. Loretta Mester. And she is very optimistic about uh, the economy for our region. However, when asked what what might be an obstacle or a bump in the road that we need to overcome in order to sustain the momentum that we've created over the course of the last seven to ten years, it's workforce. It's more people. It's more people, and it's more people with the right complement of skills to satisfy market demand. That's why I'm so glad that you're authoring articles like this and we're having conversations like this so it gets more people in the know and gets people activated to be thinking about this because that's how we're going to make this get better, how we're going to improve and keep pace with the rest of the world, for crying out loud. So, Dimitri, people want to learn more about Deloitte with Deloitte.com? Yes. Just that simple. Dimitri Shirey, managing partner here in Pittsburgh. You're the man when it comes to all things workforce and everything else, Dimitri. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Jonathan, once again, thanks for having me on the show. Great, great stuff. This is Jonathan Kirsten with the Pittsburgh Technology Council here in Tech Vibe Radio. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Follow us on Twitter at pghtech. Welcome back to Tech Vibe Radio. So glad you are spending your Friday night with us, giving you the best and the brightest of what's happening across Pittsburgh's technology sector. And I tell you what, it is June. 
no better time than June the 6th and June the 7th because it is our Create Festival. Go to createpgh.org and you can learn all about this awesome festival we've been putting on for the past four or five years now. Actually, it's been 10 years since we kind of started this, but it's turned into a full festival format in the past four or so years. And this year, it's all happening downtown at the August Wilson Center, kicking off on June 6th with our Creativity Summit. And I uh, really can't encourage enough people to go and check this thing out. It's really at the leading edge of everything that's happening here tech-wise, creative-wise, and art-wise all here in the Pittsburgh area. So on June the 7th is really when the meat of this event kind of happens. And from 12 to 4 is our innovation salon. You can interact with some of the latest creatives and artists and technologists in the field here in Pittsburgh. That same day from 1 to 3 is also our Idea Fest. Now the Idea Fest is kind of like a bunch of TED Talks where we have some of the brightest minds on stage talking about what they're working on and what they're innovating. And these are free to the public to stop on by at the August Wilson Center to stroll in and check it out. You will be entertained and engaged, I swear. So much fun. So looking forward to this. Now, later in that day on uh, June the 7th, we have some paid events that you can attend as well, too. We have our Create Party, which is a mix and mingle. That starts at 5 o'clock. And then at 7 o'clock is our actual our Creative uh, Industry Awards, where we're handing out a bunch of awards for projects across the region, actually across the nation, um, really at the intersection of creativity and technology. Um, interactive projects, apps, you name it, you know, people who are making stuff. It is just an amazing thing. It's, it's, it's too much to even describe. you got to check it out for yourself. So go to createpgh.org and learn all about it. encourage you to attend. So our next segment, we're talking to Seton Hill University. Really cool college, and they are just at the forefront of providing really some leading-edge curriculum to give students the skills they need for jobs that are happening today. You know, whether it's in, like, cybersecurity or big data, they're really trying to stay in step with what's going on with industry. And I was really excited to interview their president so you can learn more about what they're up to. A lot of fun stuff there, a lot of transformative things. And uh, it's just always great to put a spotlight on these types of stories to really see how, you know, the whole ecosystem kind of comes together. So we'll give this one a spin, and we'll be right back. And we're talking to a really great school today. So I call one of the unsung heroes as to what's going right here in the region. That is Seton Hill. And we have Mary Finger here, the president. And you've been there for, what, three years now? Four years. Just four years Finishing now. up four years. Right? That's crazy. I guess time is moving by faster it's, than I can even keep yeah, up with. It really so is. Absolutely. You must be having a good time being president at Seton Hill. I am. I am. It's a wonderful institution. I inherited a great institution. A lot, a lot of wonderful leadership that predated me. So very, that's very always cool. helpful. I love it. So quickly, talk a little about yourself. Who is Mary Finger? What gets you out of bed every morning. Well, I, I'm president of Seton Hill, and that, that's what gets me out of bed every morning. It's a great institution. I love, I've been in higher education administration for 30 plus years, and uh, been in small institutions, a few large institutions. Uh, this is my fourth Catholic institution. Wow. Yeah, and so uh, wonder, wonderful synergy between uh, my own personal values and being in a Catholic Setonian institution. Yeah. Very, very cool. And what made it interesting to say, I'm going to Seton Hill, I want to be president there because you, you came from uh, Milwaukee. No, I, I came from Chicago. Okay. I, was at, I was at DePaul University in Chicago, large, the largest Catholic university in the country, large
large place, uh, and before they had a school in Milwaukee. But uh, it, it really, frankly, it was that this is a small institution uh, just outside of Pittsburgh, uh, and it has done amazingly creative and entrepreneurial things. Right. And it's really, you know, at a time when uh, liberal arts institutions, small institutions, are really kind of struggling to know who they are in many cases, this is an institution that has a history of being on the cusp and always looking forward and not being afraid to try new things. I love that. Yeah. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute because you're doing some great new curriculum that we I'm are. excited to talk we to you about. Before we do that, just a couple stats about the school. How many students go there? How many people graduate every year? Well, good question. We have about 2,200 mm-hmm. students, and that's uh, traditional undergraduates, and we get a large resident population. We've okay. got, we also serve uh, a, a non-traditional, over 24-year-old uh, student population. Both. And that's a growing segment. It is a growing segment. And we do that both in the classroom and online in a hybrid and also a hybrid format. Mm-hmm. And then we have some really strong graduate programs as well. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so being a small school, you can react really quickly. And our yeah. market keeps changing. The skills keep evolving. And you guys are keeping pace with it, which I think is so exciting, in particular when it comes to data analytics and cybersecurity. Tell us about those programs. Yeah. This is really cool stuff. Well, I mean, uh, we have just an amazing faculty that are, are doing not only uh, making sure that they are keeping cur- uh, curriculum current right. in their own fields, but also really taking a look at the broader environment. Okay. And so, and and uh, we have been very fortunate here in Pittsburgh to have this resource inflection point that Allegheny Conference. Everybody did. brings that survey. It, I really encourage our listeners to go check that yeah. out because it gives you some startling and very scary but very poignant data, data and, and about where workforce is going these days. Right, absolutely. And they, they update it. And so this is this is research that, you know, you'd have to pay lots and lots of money for this research exactly. and we can, we can benefit from it. And, you know, about 75% of our students come from southwestern Pennsylvania and okay. 80% of them stay. So what we know about our students is that they want to, um, they want to live in southwestern Pennsylvania. They want to live in the Pittsburgh area. They want to bring their, raise their children, contribute to their communities. And so it, it's, it's incredibly important to us that we align um, our curriculum with the needs of the community. Right, so you're in the community working with the employers that are out there knowing Absolutely. what skills do you need? And yes. then they're coming back saying, we need this. So then you develop these new curriculums to provide that that pipeline of talent. Yeah. It, we, yeah, well, we started uh, we started yeah. an Office of Innovation and Academic Programming. You know, a lot of small schools don't have the time or the resources right. to do R&D the way uh, larger institutions do. And this grant enabled us, it was a grant from the R.K. Mellon Foundation, it enabled us to, to have that space. We have a half-time director, we have some marketing dollars, we have some uh, some funding for our faculty to mm-hmm. develop new curriculum. Uh, and so, the, so it's been a, a great return on investment. And a piece of that, uh, the Office of of innovation and academic programming uh, planning, rather, has uh, a, a, a group of uh, advisory board that is made up of, of people from across the area. You know, it's. Um, People from major industry, people right. from healthcare, people from nonprofits, and so when we have uh, when we've started these new programs, we also talk to them about, you know, specifically when you're looking at data analytics, for example. Okay. What is it we need in right. you know? And so what we've done with data analytics is that it's it's a combination of business and computer science, but you can also we've also created a way for students to get a strong minor. So it's it's data analytics, but you can get a minor. In 
in finance. You can get a minor in accounting. And that's the secret sauce that's because the secret you sauce. need that extra skill behind it. It's exactly. not just the one area, but the, being able to provide that along with the general education you get from Seton Hill. Right. You're graduating some really well-rounded individuals. We are. We are. The, you know, the liberal arts piece of, of the institution, the liberal arts core, is uh, really not, uh, provides our students not only with the ability to do the data analytics, but also to talk about it. Definitely. It's also to translate it. It's also to look at the trends. Right. Uh, so it's the it's the make it relevant. Make it know? relevant. Critical reasoning skills and presentation uh, and sure. skills and conversation skills. So you know, it's one thing to have the data; it's another thing to be able to apply exactly it right. and, to, and, and to talk about how important it is and, and, and what it means. Very exciting stuff. It is exciting. Now, what about the use of technology in the classroom? Yeah. That's well, definitely a differentiator. For it is. It is. It, we were we were the first institution in the country to provide iPads to no all way. of our students. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You, yeah. Need a, you need a big big billboard. We, we, well, like along Route Twenty Two there. Right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, so we uh, th- that was in 2009 when we started our, our mobile mobile okay. technology program, and since that time we have been an Apple Distinguished School for the last you know, nine years, Very cool. uh, which is an Apple Distinguished. I think I want to go to your school now. I need, you, I need to get a degree. Or I know. Uh, I know. That, that's why so I can get some gear. <laughs> that's why I never left. You know, <laughs> that, that's, exactly. a, that's a great thing about being president is you never really leave college. Uh, but yeah, it's an amazing and and we had a title. Uh, we got a national, a federal grant uh, to really do uh, uh, curriculum across the uh, uh, technology across the curriculum. So Absolutely. our faculty were trained in how to use technology. We looked at how how technology is appropriate for all the different disciplines, and so our students graduate not only with. Um, not only with the you know real strong academic preparation and the liberal arts, but they also have this this uh, value added piece of using technology in a very current way. That's awesome. so, yeah, it's very powerful cool. stuff. It is without powerful. A doubt. It is. And and our student and we students keep, are uh, one of the reasons they come to Seton Hill is because of the technology program. I believe it. That would yeah. be a definitely. It's a differentiating factor. It is for the school. So we got a couple minutes left. I'm I'm always wondering about the future, and yeah. it's always hard to predict. But obviously, you've seen the increasing pace of change. What's Seton Hill thinking about next? What, and especially when it comes to lifelong learning. At the end of the day, like we all need to be thinking about ways we can continually polish our skills. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you never, you never stop. Uh, you never stop going. Going. I to tried school. stopping and it didn't work. It doesn't work. Dang. No, no, you're in the wrong area. <laughs> you know, you know, so. I made the eleventh grade and I stopped. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I think that we, we have a lot of other na- uh, new academic programs in the pipeline. One that is is actually on the ground now is cybersecurity, and we have a wonderful partnership with you know one of your neighbors, the right National yeah, National yeah. Cyber Forensics and Training Alliance. And Absolutely, we're the, we're the only undergraduate cybersecurity program in the country that has that alliance, and that's been a, an extraordinary uh, opportunity for our students to both intern and for that uh, for that group to help us with some curriculum, oh. everything from what's happening in the dark web right. to you know, to what what are the future trends and how to be current? So it's it's cybersecurity, it's healthcare uh, programs, it is uh, all kinds of new um, uh, academic programs, but it's Definitely. also making sure that we're that we provide that liberal arts space mm-hmm. that because we're preparing them for a career and I mean for multiple multiple changes in their lives. Exactly. And so that's that's uh, that's what we do collectively. I love it. If people want to learn more about Seton Hill and all the great things you're up to. Learn about the technology that you guys are deploying and the different tech programs you have, where can they go and check you guys out? Uh, uh, we're, we're on the web. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, my shoe. 
I'm sorry, seatonhill.edu. I can even remember Seton yeah. Hill. I really <laughs> encourage everyone to check it out because, like I said, it's these colleges and universities that are really making the Pittsburgh region pop. We have so many great resources here. Yeah. How much fun to talk to Mary Finger here from Seton Hill. Well, thank you Thanks for, for having out me. With me today. Thank you. Thank you for having great, me. Great, great stuff. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Hey, this is Jonathan Kirsten with Tech Vibe Radio. I'll be right back after this quick break. Thanks for keeping your dial tuned right here to Tech Vibe Radio here on KDKA. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And I tell you what, I get to have so much fun. I get to do some really cool things like moderate panel discussions at the Startup Alleghenies, as I did last month out in Seven Springs. It was really great to see some of the best and brightest minds from around the region coming together to talk about how to build more entrepreneurial communities. And as part of that, they brought in a really cool keynote speaker, Chris Hively. He's one of the founders of MapQuest, and he's now running, actually, a division of Techstars, which is a really cool organization that really inspires and encourages and promotes entrepreneurship, especially around the technology sector. Uh, throughout the country, and uh, he was the keynote speaker and really got to bring his insights as to what makes uh, you know entrepreneurial scenes tick and click, for lack of a better term. And uh, I got the uh, opportunity to interview him a little bit about what he's going to talk about at his presentation and to bring some key insights as to what he thinks is really going to drive innovation within regions, especially regions that are on, on the more rural side as well, too, as what's going on on the outside of Pittsburgh. So too much fun to talk to him and learn what he was going to do. I think you will agree that this guy really knows what's going on and so happy to bring you his insights right about now love taking the show on the road, grabbing interviews where I can find them and when they're lined up for me. And honestly, I couldn't be more excited to be hanging out at the startup Alleghenies. Really, some foundational stuff is happening here to really create entrepreneurship and business creation, you know, outside of the Pittsburgh region and around. And we have a great, great interview with us. Chris Hively, this, you're like a tech superstar. <laughs> and it's hard. I'm going to have to have you kind of introduce yourself and kind of talk about some of the key things that you've done in the past and really the most exciting things, what you're doing now with tech stars and everything like that. So, Chris, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, it's happy to be here. So, Chris Hively. Who is Chris Hively, first off? Well, when people ask me that question, my default answer is uh, I cause trouble everywhere I go. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Very Stir cool. the pot, man. Stir it, man. Stir it. So, what does what what stirring the pot mean for you? Stirring the pot means just making stuff happen, seeing yeah. how you can make a difference individually and collectively as a group, and uh, uh, you know, that kind of feels entrepreneurship in a way, so I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life. And, right. Uh, I've had, you know, the requisite numbers of success and well, failures. Tell us about some of the successes and failures, because you have some pretty interesting successes here that I think our, our listeners would be like, I think I might know this guy. Sure. Well, I might have been uh, the dumb one of a group of four or five of us that uh, started <laughs> MapQuest back oh. in the day. Oh, geez. And, yeah. So, I mean, the cool thing that uh, your listeners would love to know is that uh, probably unknown to them is that we started MapQuest in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That Lancaster? No way. Yeah. Because you have some Philadelphia roots, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, I came to Lancaster via D.C., so... Okay. But it's just more... A little circuitous, but still, nonetheless. Still made it back to Amish town or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, so, um, you know, I was a geographer, undergraduate and graduate degree in geography, and loved computers in late 70s, early 80s, which makes me really old and geeky, (laughs) Um, but just was lucky enough to be able to kind of jam those two things together and spent 15 years in the math. Right. So you sold 
that, obviously, and made a good nickel on that. And then that's kind of what that, that got you started more than anything, right? Sure, because once you get a taste of that kind of high, then you, you want that. Back. You can't go back. And so then, you know, I, I have, you know, I'm your typical kind of ADD, you know, entrepreneur guy. I Absolutely. do things for three to five years, get bored, and move on to something else. So I've been an investor. I've been an angel investor. I ran a corporate venture fund. Um, I would be the guy that uh, investors parachute into an existing company to exactly. be the adult supervisor. To be the adult supervisor. Uh, yeah. Uh, There's a profit and loss on this balance sheet exactly. here. Exactly. Uh, what's a balance sheet, Dad? Uh, well, we'll start with that. <laughs> um, and then uh, the last eight, ten years kind of morphed into this kind of community builder right. around tech stars and how do you kind of the new age incubator, how do you get more entrepreneurship firing? And that's it's an awesome mission. I mean, we could talk for an entire show about how do we get this stuff going, but we have such limited time and it drives me nuts. I want to get to the heart of this stuff. I mean, obviously, you've been dubbed the startup whisperer. You have your startup factory and you're now working with tech stars with Brad Feld, who, I mean, he's like one of the dudes yeah. out there, the for lack of a better term. The dude's dude, exactly. It's really talking about how communities can embrace and promote and make entrepreneurship, especially tech entrepreneurship, flourish. Yeah, so what's the secret? Yeah. Um, the secret is, uh, first of all, uh, no entrepreneurs, no entrepreneurial community. So a lot of times... Very good point. Got to start with the entrepreneurs. Yeah, we forget that. Like, we think, you know, we're going to kind of organize, you know, a startup community. Well, and then they start doing all these things. We need space. We need capital. I'm like, yeah, uh, good. Let's find some entrepreneurs. With let's, the mindset, With right? the mindset. And let's start creating a community around them, even if it's five or... 25 or 50. Let's find those entrepreneurs. Let's bring them together and then let's help them. I always tell people that if you're wondering how you can help your startup community, go find an entrepreneur and help them be successful. Their success will create community success. So put the entrepreneur like front and center and everything else will kind of derive from that. Without a doubt. Especially, I mean, in this day and age, we're seeing, you know, it's, it's really the small companies that are the big employers right now. You don't see many folks coming out of school like, I want to work for the big corporations. We're seeing more of a mindset of people saying, no, I want to create my own thing. Am I, am I correct in seeing that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, you know, when I was coming out of college, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. And I guess I was one, but I didn't know it until years later. But, you know, today with the way media and the way things are covered, you know, and things like Facebook and Google right, right, and, right. you know, go back to even to Yahoo or AOL, um, definitely there's this kind of wave where at least more people are aware of being an entrepreneur. And I Obviously, thinking that um, in that is some kind of more control over what you are, who you are, um, which is you know very much a 2018 uh, type of thing Absolutely. versus a 1980s or 90s kind of thing. <laughs> oh God, now I'm feeling old. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my walker. Hold exactly, on. <laughs> it's next to my walker. <laughs> Mine has the streamers on the end. <laughs> exactly. So you're talking today about uh, talking with the startup Alleghenies today, and you're going to be talking about what it takes. What, give us a couple key points you're going to be making in today's talk. Sure. Um, one of the keys is, uh, I like to say, uh, connect over coordinate. So okay. a lot of times, you know, we want to try to get everyone together in a room and we'll have to create, uh, you know, we'll create, uh, you know, events or activities. I'm like, all right, that's cool. The best thing you do is connect people. 
hundreds and hundreds of times connect, 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 right? Because if you think about as an entrepreneur, you're going to run out of time or money, right? Before you always happens, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so speed and urgency is really the, the premium here. And so if you can help someone by introducing them to someone that can help them do something, I just say connect. I, I, I personally spend about half an hour a day doing nothing but making intros between people. I don't ask them permission. I just, just like you two should know each other and do and that. Here's why and blink up. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> uh, nine years ago in Raleigh-Durham, uh, where I live now, which I was new to the community, and when I was starting this activity um, with inspiration from Brad Feld, I went out and had 275 coffees, lunches, and end-of-day frosty beverage End-of-day frosty beverage meetings. Those are my favorites. 275 in five months. Whoa. Now, if you start to yeah. do the math, and I can tell you that eight years later, fast forward, I have met one-on-one with at least 3,500 people. I believe it. And I do that. I, I, I give myself, you know, um, of myself to the community, and anybody can come in and talk for 20 minutes about anything. And then I connect people and help them out. You do that over and over and over again, this little network starts to form. Exactly right. And by the way, that doesn't cost anything, and you can all start it tomorrow. <laughs> I love it, man. That is so, so cool. So we're talking to Chris Hively here with Startup Factory and Tech Stars, and you're awesome, an author. Tell us about this book you just wrote. Well, yeah, so not bad for a guy who failed freshman English in college <laughs> at Westchester <laughs> University. Exactly. <laughs> over there on the eastern side of Pa. Uh, you know, I taught myself how to write a little bit, and I enjoy it, and it was on my bucket list to do. Right. Um, so one day I just uh, sat down and said, all right, I got an idea. And the funny thing is one of my um, better friends and colleagues who wrote the first MapQuest software, uh, Marshall Clark, and uh, he and I worked together three times. We always used to use the metaphor of building a fort in ways of like, how exactly. do we, how are we going to start something, this new idea? And like the first, in this metaphor, the first question he, should, he would ask is, all right, where are we going to steal the wood? Right? <laughs> I love Which it. Which is kind of a fort thing, There's right? A pile of it somewhere and we're taking it. Remember, this is a metaphor. Right. So when I thought about uh, writing a book and sharing my experiences and, you know, my desire was to kind of simplify everything. Exactly. Because right. we, we, as adults, we over we overthink complex yeah. and, and we're all our own worst enemies, right? There's that voice in our head that's evil and, you know, creates all this doubt and fear. So the book is an attempt to just say it's an easy read. It's fun. You'll you'll chuckle. You'll smile. But it uses the kind of build the fort uh, metaphor as a way to think about, all right, I, I want to do this. I have an idea. Mm -hmm. How do I get started? Right. So right. it's like that first kind of just a couple months of thinking about I'm going to try to do this and how to do that. I think I encourage everyone to go check out. Can you find it on Amazon? It's on Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Build a fort. Build a fort. I mean, check it out. I just got a copy of it. I'm going to read it this weekend. I'm very excited. No, because I mean, these are the things that we're trying to do in Pittsburgh and the region around here. It's just so important for us to build that mindset, to have the infrastructure around it and to have you talking to us today. I yeah. think it's just so exciting. So any kind of like final thoughts, like what else, should, what should we be thinking about as a community when it comes to, you know, promoting entrepreneurship and, and really, you know, that fail fast and embrace failure type of attitude? What else can we, can we be thinking about? 
So I'm going to kind of double back and maybe double down on okay. something I said before, which is about people connecting to people. Right. And um, one of the, uh, in Build the Fort, there's kind of five kind of rules or four, five steps. And the first step is to socialize your idea without fear and inhibition. Interesting. Get it out of your own head. Because sitting in your own head, like, it can only go so far. Exactly. Um, I like to say when you're the only one in the room, every decision is perfect. Right? You can convince yourself of anything you as well, too, right? Like, you know, to go through a day without one healthy rationalization, right? So to that to that end, uh, whether you're talking about community or your own idea, is get it out of you and go talk to other people. Believe me, everyone wants to help. The, na- the natural DNA of an entrepreneur is... I got an opinion. Let me help you with that. Exactly. And so if you don't ask, shame on you. So, you know, I think the best advice I can give people is whether you're talking about helping to build your community or grow your community or whether it's a startup or, you know, put yourself out there and connect with people and be honest and, you know, open and transparent and great stuff will happen. That's so cool. Got about a minute or so left. How about embracing failure? Thoughts on that? Um, so one of the things I, I typically tell people is that, all right, so let's run through the, the, the worst and best case scenarios of whatever it is. Um, are you alive? Check. Check. You're doing good. Okay. Then everything after that is just noise, right? Exactly right. And especially in this day and age, like um, the, the failure and fear of failure is an impediment to progress, right? And and believe me, even with my success and 58 years of old, did, did I say 58? You did. I, I okay. mumbled that no. part. Um, but what I'll tell you is I, st- I have fears, I have doubts about ideas, but uh, I conquer that by getting it out of my head, getting it with other people. And it's funny when you share something with someone else and they start nodding their head in the right direction. Exactly. There's a confidence in that. So, like, that's how I conquer fear, and that's how I would encourage others to kind of take it. a stab at it. Chris Hively, thanks for taking the time. You were wanted to go on stage. They're looking at me, giving me the eye, like, he's got to go. you got a big crowd waiting for you out there, Chris. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks, man. This is John the Cursing with Tech Vibe Radio. So glad you dialed in with us tonight. Dial in every single Friday night here on KDK. Learn more about the Tech Council by going to pghtech.org. Follow us on Twitter at pghtech. After all that, have an awesome weekend. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.